If you're taking notes this morning, the title of this morning's message is called The Weight of Comparison. The Weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, of Comparison. Because I believe as a follower of Jesus, if we are truly going to live set apart in this world, we've got to stop comparing ourselves. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to others. To live set apart, I will not compare myself to others. Come on, church, will you say that with me this morning? To live set apart, I will not compare myself to others. All right, these 20 people in the front row, thank you. Now, can the whole church say it with me this morning? To live set apart, All right, perfect. Because here's what comparison does. Comparison binds you to the lie that what someone has or what someone does is better than what God has given you or asked you to do. And it's easy to lose sight of your purpose and your mission when you're constantly looking at everybody else. What comparison also does is it actually removes God from the judgment seat of his throne in your life. Because now God's not the judge of your life. Who's the judge? You. Because you're constantly comparing what you're doing, what you have, what you're accomplishing to what other people have, are doing, or have experienced. And I'm just going to be honest, church, I'm thankful that as a follower of Jesus, we don't have to live in comparison. Here, here's why I'm thankful. Because if I lived in comparison, I would never feel qualified. I'm too young. I'm too uneducated. I'm too poor. I'm too broke. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too this. I'm too that. I, I would never feel qualified. If we lived in comparison, we'd never feel good enough. They've always got more. They've always got this. They've always got that. I'd never feel like I had enough. If we lived in comparison, it would be easy to believe that we would never measure up. Because comparison's all about measurement. It's all about measurement. And so I want to talk a little bit on how God has called us to measure our lives. Because if we're not careful, we will measure the way people measure. And we won't live set apart and focus on how God measures. Did you know that's different, right? Y'all know that how God measures us versus how people measure us are two different things. We're, we're in 1 Samuel 16 this morning, and we're about to meet a man who the Bible would go on to later say he was a man after God's own heart. This man would become king. This man would stand before a giant with just a sling and a stone. And yet in this very conversation that we're about to see take place, people began to measure him based on how people measure rather than on how God measures, and he was almost overlooked until God intervened. Jesse is a father of many sons, and Samuel's been called to go to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons to be the next king. 
Saul is actually king at this time. And if there's anything that we know about Saul, he was pretty cocky. He was arrogant. He was tall. He was handsome. He was good looking. He had great leadership qualities. He was somebody that man would look at and go, yes, that's a man who is fit to be a king. And so when Samuel hears the word of the Lord to go anoint the next king, he shows up at the house of Jesse, and what does he do? He begins to compare. He, he begins to look at Jesse's sons, and he begins to look for the qualities that they see in Saul in one of these men. And so he looks at Eliab in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. It says, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely... The Lord's anointed is before him. He, he was comparing Eliab to the previous king. He was tall. He was fit. And he thought, maybe this is the one that the Lord wants me to anoint. But look at verse 7 right after that. The Lord said to Samuel, Ooh, I hope the church hears this this morning. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man sees and looks at the outward appearance. Man's always going to do that. You walk into a room, the first thing somebody does is they look you up and down and judge you. What kind of shoes they wear. Oh, he ain't wearing boots, must not be from Kansas. <laughs> I got tired of y'all making fun of my skinny jeans, so I started wearing pants that were three sizes too big, and y'all ain't happy with that either. <laughs> you drive by, you look at what house they live in. You look at what car they drive. You look at how much they got in their wallet. You look at how many likes on social media. You look at how many kids they have or don't have. You look at how their kids are behaving because man measures by height, but God measures by heart. I I'm just saying, y'all, people measure by height. God measures by and what happens when we live in comparison is we're constantly comparing height and we're overlooking what matters most, and that's our heart. So I got to be honest with you. I've been hitting the gym. Can y'all tell? All right, but I have a different goal than most people. Most people go to the gym to lose weight. I'm at that gym pumping iron to try and gain weight. Y'all know what I'm saying? And all us blessed and highly favored metabolists in the room said amen. And one thing I've learned at the gym recently is there's two different ways you can measure something. You, you can measure something with a stick. And you can begin to look at the height. And I'm not just talking physically, but I'm saying I can be at the gym and I can be curling my 10-pound dumbbells. And I can catch a glimpse over here of another guy in the gym, and he's got 65s just. <laughs> I'm looking at the outside, and I immediately begin to look at this scale and go, where's he at with his weight, and where am I at? 
And, and I get distracted, and then you know what happens? I walk over to that, that dumbbell rack. I said, get these tens out of here. That was just the warm-up. And I go to the low rack. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know nobody in here drinks alcohol, but normally alcohol, the good stuff's at the high rack. In the gym, the good stuff's on the low rack. Y'all know what I'm so I go to the low rack. I grab the 75-pounder. I'm going to show him up. <laughs> what happened? I began to measure with a stick, and I tried to carry a weight I was not yet ready for, and I hurt myself. That's what comparison does. We begin to measure people by a stick and we compare what they're doing to what we're doing. And we try to move. We try to skip the process. We try to jump through some hoops and we say, no, 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 I'm ready for that. I'm better than that. And then we grab a weight we were never meant to carry and we get wounded. We get broken. We get broken relationship after relationship. We get addicted. And all of these things in our life begin to fall apart. And we have to ask ourselves, well, God, where are you in this? And I just feel the Lord saying, son, daughter, you're trying to carry a weight you were never created to carry. Stop looking at what they're doing because the stick isn't the only measurement scale that we have in a gym. We also have a scale. And some of y'all be like, oh, not the scale, pastor. I don't like the scale. I'm just going to be honest, y'all. It's August. No, it's September. Now is the best time to get on the scale. Because y'all know what's coming, right? We got Halloween, candy for days. We got Thanksgiving, woo, come on somebody. And we got Christmas. So you better get on the scale now because December 26th, this scale ain't gonna look real good. <laughs> we got a scale. And there's a difference between a stick and a scale. Because with the stick, you can look at it from the outside. And some of y'all be like, pastor, what's that scale say? I ain't telling you. Because that's the beautiful thing about a scale. I know, and the Lord knows, but you never see it. There, there's four areas where we typically fall into comparison. And if we're going to live set apart, we have to understand that we have to measure ourselves in these areas the way that God measures us. The first area is this, the measure of yourself. How do you measure yourself? I came across a book this week when I was praying and in study, and the author of this book set out on to define different virtues that we have in our life, it, different areas of our life that get us excited, things that matter to some people that don't matter to others, and, and he was so intrigued by how people tick and, and what makes them grow and what makes them work hard and what pushes them. And in the very first chapter, he breaks down two different types of virtues. Resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And he said, unfortunately, what I watch take place around our country today is more people are more interested in their resume virtue than their eulogy virtue. And then when they die, their life is actually over. I was like, what does that mean? So I read a little bit. I hate reading, so I just read the first chapter and closed the book. But he defined resume virtues as how much we have now, 
what we have accomplished now, and all we focus on is making our resume look better than somebody else's, so when the two pieces of paper are on the table for the employer, ours stands out from theirs. We want to make ourselves look as good as possible. So we make decisions for our life, we make decisions for our business, we make decisions for our family, we make decisions for our kids based on resume virtues for the here and the now. And he said, I believe we've all been called to a greater purpose and that's to live for a eulogy virtue. This is how he defined it. What in your life will be weighed on the scale even when your life is over? What will still matter on this earth even when your life is over? You see, culture does a great job of blinding us with a stick because it's constantly putting things in front of our face reminding us of how great other people are and how bad our life just sucks. How many students do we have in this room right now? Middle school, high school students, raise your hands. Come on, give Jesus some praise for that. I'm just saying, come on. And, and honestly, some of them are going to relate to this more than some of you grandmas in the room, all right? Because y'all get on Instagram, Y'all get on Twitter, now X. What does the little blue check mark mean? Verified, right? What do you think it means to get verified? One of two things. You have a lot of money and you pay for it, or you have a lot of followers and you earned it. Culture is measuring us by a stick everywhere we go. How many followers, how many likes, how many comments, how many shares, how many retweets, all of those kind of things. Popularity is how it measures with a stick. Do you know what the scale measures? Purpose. Popularity is measured with a stick. Purpose is measured on the scale. And I wonder how many students right now that you know I'm talking to the middle school and high school students for just a minute. I wonder how many students you know right now that you think, well, they're the popular ones. Everybody loves them, or, oh, she's good looking, and she posts that one bikini pic, and everybody likes it. They might be popular when you look at them with a stick, but if they stepped on the scale, that number would read zero because they have no idea what their purpose is. Is. I wonder how many students in this room might be willing to sacrifice your purpose on the altar of popularity when God is calling you to be set apart as his son and as his daughter. And sometimes that means setting down popularity on the altar of purpose because you knew that God designed you for such a time as this and the weight of your heart matters more than what the height people see in your life. You're going to feel overlooked just like King David did. Because I'm just saying, y'all, Jesse was given an order to gather all of his sons. Because the next king was to be anointed. And the very one that God chose to anoint did not even get an invite to the party. 
And so some of you students, you feel like you're not getting the job. You feel like you're not getting the starting role. You feel like you don't have the friends in your school that everybody else has. But I'm saying you are in the very position that God wants you. Because even though man is overlooking you with a stick, he wants to build the weight of your heart. And he says, step on the scale because I'm going to tell you your purpose. I'm going to give you hope. And I'm the one that's going to anoint you when it's time. Stop letting them define you. God doesn't measure by how many people you got following you. Businessmen and women in the room, God doesn't measure your business based on how many employees you got. God measures you based on the potential he's placed inside of your heart. Stop comparing yourself to them. God isn't interested in them. He's interested in your heart. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to thought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I, I was reading this week and I came across this, this word glory. And I, I don't know about you, but my prayer for this house is that the glory of God would fall. My prayer for this town is that the glory of God would fall. My prayer for this region is that the glory of God would fall. And, and I did a little study into this word glory, which in the Hebrew is kavod. In English, you would write that out, K-A-B-O-D. And, and I looked at what the direct word for word, letter by letter reference of this Hebrew word, glory, kabod means. Wait. W-E-I-G-H-T. Because if we truly want to see the glory of God fall in this house, if we want to see the glory of God fall in our lives, we need to throw the stupid stick away and we need to scale ourselves based on the weight of his glory at work in our life. We don't need to compare. We need to stop being the judge. I'm just saying, church, some of y'all are talking yourselves out of the very thing God is calling you to, simply because of comparison. And if you want to live set apart, you've got to understand the true way to measure yourself is not by a scale of a stick, but by the scale on the floor, by the weight of your heart. The other way that we measure a lot of things in our life is the measure of opportunity. How do we measure opportunity? You see, David was a man after God's own heart. Yet for the majority of his life, he was being measured with a stick by everyone around him. In 1 Samuel 16, we see this, that, that finally all of Jesse's sons that were present passed before Samuel. And Samuel said, no. The Lord has not chosen any of these. And then it like dawned on him. Like he looked at Jesse. He said, are these all your sons? Like I was told to anoint one of your sons. But are, are these it? Is this all that you have? And, and look at what dad says. There remains yet the youngest. But... He is tending the sheep. It's almost as if Jesse.
tried to disqualify his very own son from the anointing that God wanted to place on his life. And, and I just want to speak to a minute to anyone in this room that grew up with an earthly father who either ran away or who never believed in you. God sees you. He loves you. He died for you. He believes in you. And even if your own father wasn't willing to see the anointing that God has for you, there is a Samuel coming into your life to pour out the oil of heaven and the oil of anointing over you to say, you were created on purpose for a purpose, child. I am not finished with you yet. And they brought David in from the field. And the Bible says he was ruddy. He was small. He didn't have the stature of a king. But Samuel said, arise, for this is the Lord's anointed. How do you measure opportunity? Are, are you going to allow the assessment of others with a stick to cause you to miss the opportunities that God's calling you to take? You see, the apostle Paul told his disciple Timothy once, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. May I remind you of who the disciples were? Twelve unschooled, ordinary teenage boys that Jesus chose to start his ministry with. God's not looking for someone with a perfect resume. He's not looking for someone who has all the right answers. He's not looking for someone who knows how to do the very thing that he's calling you to do. Because if you already knew how to do it, then you wouldn't need God. Stop measuring your opportunities based on the assessment of others. Here's the problem with comparison. The problem is we start letting the height of our opponent become bigger than the weight of the opportunity. David stood before Goliath being scaled with a stick. David, what are you doing? You're not allowed in the field. David, we don't want you out there. Goliath is tall. Hey, his height is here. And you're down here, bro. Oh, but I love David because he says, no, y'all be measuring me with a stick. Goliath might be taller than me. Goliath might be stronger than me. Goliath might have an army behind him. But I got the glory of God on my side. I got the weight on my side. I, I got the weight advantage in this fight. Because height doesn't matter if the weight is there. I, I went to a, a county fair. It's been a few years now. Is that where the sinners hang out? I don't know. I'm no, just kidding. And y'all know those games they have, right? All the ones that are rigged so your children spend all your money trying to big, win a big teddy bear that really just sits in the corner for a while till you throw it away. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And, and there's those games that they're the, the milk jugs. And I look at this game every time, and I'm like, I can do this. I think I can knock it over. And you throw the ball, and you hit it, and you throw the ball, and you hit it, and you're like, why can't I not knock these stupid things over? Because on the outside, they look like an empty milk jug. But there's a weight that's been placed on the bottom of them. So even if they get hit, y'all know what happens. Woo, boom they pop right back up. And, and I had this, this thought, 
What if God is calling his church to be a people of substance, to be a people who sit in the manifest glory of God for so long that their weight is heavy enough so when the attack of the enemy comes, it can hit them, but they won't fall over. It can knock them out for a bit, but they're going to pop right back up because the weight advantage is on your side. If you're single in this room, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to call you out. And by single, I mean not married. All right? You need to begin to ask yourself this question now. Do I want a significant other who's a stick person or do I want a significant other that has substance? Because I'm just saying the scale's going to change when they get old because we all get wrinkles. We all get a little saggy. We all get a little gray. But if you pick your significant other because of the substance that they have and the weight that is inside of their heart, when your life sucks, they can build you up. When you're falling apart, they can help pick you up. But if all you got is a stick man over here, they ain't going to be able to do any of the heavy lifting. Can you take the weight. We've got to understand that God has called us to measure ourselves on a scale, not with a stick. And that opportunity looks big. That, that giant looks tall. But I'm telling you, in the glory of God, you have the weight advantage on your side. How do we measure results? Y'all know what I'm saying, right? The results of our life. One of the greatest ways that we measure results today is timing. It's all about timing. It's all about speed. Who can do what faster? Who can accomplish that faster? What, what job, what, what business can grow quicker than the others? What family can have more kids than the others? It, it, we measure results all about timing. Y'all know what I'm saying. Pastor, I've been praying for years to be healed, but you healed them and they just started praying last week. Why'd they get healed faster than me? Pastor, we've been praying for breakthrough for decades. Why'd that young man get breakthrough in just a few moments, but I'm still waiting a decade. They got their blessing. Where's mine? Timing, 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 timing. And we call these seasons waiting seasons. We're like, well, I'm going to just, oh, God's got me waiting on this one. You may be in a waiting season right now, but that's because this is your waiting season. Throw that slide up there so they can see that. With Jesus, waiting seasons are waiting seasons. I, I get asked that question a lot. Why does God answer prayers in different timelines? Well, honestly, I, part of me believes because in the grand scheme of eternity, it doesn't really matter. What feels like 10 years to us in eternity is that. What feels like 10 minutes to us in eternity is that. Another reason why I believe sometimes some people find themselves in seasons longer than others is because God is still building the weight. He's still building your faith. He, he's still preparing you 
for where he wants to take you. You can go to the gym and you can begin to lift on the bottom rack. And you may never see the progress that you want. Or you can begin where you're supposed to begin. And you can fall in love with the process. And you can allow this season that feels like waiting to be a season where your faith is getting stretched, where those muscles are getting torn, where those muscles are getting rebuilt. So that way, when the time comes to pick up the heavier weight, you are ready. I'm just saying, if some of y'all had God answer every prayer you've been praying for today, you are not even ready for it. You're not. Well, God, I'm praying for millions. Well, if you got a million-dollar paycheck today, where's it going? God, I'm praying for kids. But are you ready? God, I'm praying for a spouse. How about we just work on you real quick? <laughs> Waiting seasons in Jesus are waiting seasons. They're not wasted seasons. Now, now catch that. I said with Jesus because that's the key. You can wait all you want on your own with whatever substance you cling to, with whatever relationship you want to hold on to, but until you actually spend that time in the presence of Jesus sitting in his glory, the wait will never come. It's in Jesus. Stop trying to calibrate your scale to somebody else's calling. Stop feeling the weight of an expectation that did not come from God, but from man. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor in Here's why comparison feels so good. Because in every season, you can always find something wrong in somebody else that makes you look better than them. But I'm here to tell you this. If the only way that you feel good enough, if the only way that you feel valued in your life is because you're tearing somebody else down, then there's absolutely no weight in the heart. I, I, I'm just saying, church, I don't know when Christians began to get so judgmental. But I know they got sin in their life, y'all. I'm their pastor. But so do you. And it's not my job. To judge them for their sin or their shortcoming because guess what? I've got to go to the Lord every single day and repent of the sin in my life. It looks different. It sounds different. But it's still sin. And the only thing that can truly overcome it is the glory of Jesus. Y'all take the stick back. Stop giving it to your kids if you're a parent in the room. I know what you're thinking right now, Pastor. You just became a parent. Don't come give me advice. No, no, no. I've been in student ministry for nine years, okay? 
I, I know what your teenagers are like. Stop giving them the stick. Stop measuring whether you're a good parent or not because they like you today or they don't. They don't deserve it. They didn't create you. Stop giving your neighbor the stick. I don't care what they say about the color of your house or how high your weeds are or what vehicles you drive. They did not create you so they don't get to measure you. Stop giving your co-workers the stick. Stop giving that friend that says they love you the stick because everything that comes out of their word is degrading and negative and saying, oh, you need to do better. We need to take that stick back and you know what we do with it? We need to throw it in the trash can. And we need to get before the presence of God and we need to get on the scale. And we need to say, God, let your glory fall. Will you build the weight in me? The last way that we measure in our lives is the measure of experience. How do you measure the experience in your life? In a room of 80 to 90 people, maybe more than that, I don't know. There are 80 to 90 different experiences in this room. And it is very easy to compare your experience in two ways. To someone else's or to your past experiences in your life. And you're going through a season right now. And it might be the mountaintop season of your life. But it feels like a valley because every time you get on social media, their life always looks better. Or maybe you're in a really difficult season right now. And you're not looking at somebody else's life. You're looking at your past. And you're going, God, what happened to those days? What happened to those moments? What happened when my kids were home and they said they loved Jesus with all of their heart, but now they're living in the world and falling in love with the things the world has to offer? Where did time go? You see, when we begin to compare experience, it's very easy to become disappointed. And then we don't just get disappointed in our experience. We get disappointed in ourselves and then we get disappointed in God. Depression takes over. Anxieties creep in. And we constantly wonder, is something ever going to change? You know, the Apostle Paul was an incredible man. And there are a lot of really, 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 really great things that he said. But he actually went through some very difficult experiences. And at one point in the middle of one of his difficult seasons, he actually said, I despaired of my life. I hated my life so bad because of the situation I was currently in. It would, it would be better for me to be dead than alive right now. And it was a temporary emotion. And what's happening in society today is there are not enough Jesus freaks out there telling people who are believing that lie and believing the temporary emotion that there is hope. Because we are watching suicide rates climb higher and higher than they've ever been in our country before. 
Because people are walking through an experience and walking through a season and going, I've despaired of my life. It'd probably be better off if I were just dead. But the apostle Paul knew one thing about experience. He always looked at the weight. He never measured it with a stick. He never looked at other opportunities. He never looked at other people's situations. For in 2 Corinthians verse four, or chapter four, verse 17, he says this. For this light, whew. I, I just wanna say to you right now, if you're in this room and you have a diagnosis that was unexpected and you're carrying a weight of disease or cancer or any kind of sickness in your body, the Lord is telling you today, it is light and momentary. It is light and momentary. Pastor, it feels really heavy. It's taken me out. It's, it's doing damage to the bank account. I, I, I just don't have the energy I used to have. Any, it is light and it is momentary. It is light and it is momentary. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. To those of you in this room that you've got a child who is running far from the Lord, it is light and it is momentary. It is light and it is momentary. To those walking through struggling relationships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it is that relationship between you and your child because they're running. It is light and it is momentary. It is light and it is momentary. It is light and it is momentary. To the student in the room. Oh, I feel it so heavy on my heart. That you've really been asking yourself the question, does my life matter? It is light and it is momentary. It is light and it is momentary. Compared to the eternal weight of the glory that God has prepared you for. It is light and it is momentary. Because the Apostle Paul knew one thing. He said, I'm tired of wasting my life measuring with a stick. And he said, I got to put every experience. I got to put all of my results. I have to put every opportunity. I have to put myself on the scale. Because here's what happens when you step on the scale. Your purpose outweighs your pain. Your destiny outweighs your history. Your eternal crown outweighs the cross. Your hope outweighs your hardships. His grace begins to outweigh your shame. The blessing outweighs the burden. 
And his favor outweighs all of your failure. Put it on the scale.